1: Ty's got good hair.
2: Greg Sankey touched on a lot of things yesterday. And one of the most important things I think he either was asked about or just addressed himself was the eight or nine game schedule. Here is what he said in regards to possibly moving in nine games and kind of the things they have to deal with.
3: When we were going through the final filtering, you'd say, wow, you know, schedule A is tough and then you'd like be at schedule g and you're like well wow, that school's got a tough schedule and all the way through there are 16 really challenging schedules but there are some important we'll call them rivalry games and we're gonna have to have a decision about do we play those every year or do we play some of them every other
1: year in the eight game format we can protect one on an annual basis and the other seven rotate Uh, In the nine-game format, we know we can protect up to three,
3: rotate the other six, and achieve both that fairness and that balance issue. And that'll be right in front of us again.
2: I'm not so sure we moved directly to nine games starting in 2025. I was leading up to really this summer. I was like, all right, this is a foregone conclusion. It's going to be nine games in 2024. And you start to hear some rumblings. You start to hear some pushback. And now I'm not even sure we see it in 2025. Uh, or
3: 2026 or maybe even 2027. I mean, we'll see how far this conversation goes. Number one, there's not a ton more money for the schools. Uh, I mean, Three to five million dollars is some of the things we, we've both read in regards to what that ninth game would mean. There's not a, a great deal more of TV revenue. So we got to get that fact out there. Mm-hmm. Number two... Uh, when it comes to non-conference schedules. He addressed this yesterday. There's a pain point. And they, they could, he said we could go as far out as next year in Destin to make a decision about what we're going to do for the following year, but the, the further we go, the more painful it gets for the member institutions to cancel off some of these non-con games where you're going to buy somebody out of their games. That's good so point. Yeah. they're not going to, uh, to make it harder on member institutions. Third, and he didn't get into the – into the depths on this, but and we've talked about this, you've got the playoff that hasn't even begun, and you need to see, and he, he spoke to it there in the quality of the eight-versus-nine-game schedules. Uh, it's this conference's belief that they're on equal footing or, or, or good enough footing with the schedules you've got, and he talked about Schedule A versus Schedule G and how difficult all 14 to 16, now 16, schedules uh, are going to be uh, in the future, I don't feel like they need that ninth game to to make their case for that maybe fourth team to get into the uh, to the expanded 12 team playoff.
2: Yeah, and again, these are something that him and his staff continuously talk about, continuously address. But I mean, the biggest linchpin is the fact that that doesn't seem to be either enough money or uh, what they consider um, a equitable um, price tag for adding that game. And you've made the point time and time again, and I think it's true. You're not adding another game. Nope. You're just replacing a non-conference opponent with a conference opponent. And how many more viewers that may attract to a television, to a streaming service, is something that I think that his his base has to consist in or try and sell to ESPN and Disney. Well, exactly.
3: I mean, it's a game that's already televised. It's a game that's already included in the rights package now. So how much more money is there? To me... The, the, to me, in my mind, the logical jump becomes when you go to 10 conference games. And don't, uh-huh. And I know no one wants – that that's not a popular conversation, but believe you me, that's that's going to be there at some point um, if you want the money. If it's about money, and it's all about money, mm-hmm. um, and you can talk about the safety of the athletes and the grind, and we saw the, the effects it had uh, in the COVID year where you did play 10 games and they were all league games, it was difficult. But I think that's eventually where – It may be five more years. It may be longer than that. The conversation about 10 games will get there at some point.
2: It is kind of a bummer that this will be the final year of the SEC on CBS. I've seen Gary Danielson and also Brad Nestler roaming the hallways and roaming the hotel, and this is the final year that we'll get those two call it SEC games.
3: It's also the final year for divisions, and – I hate the fact that, that we're moving away from divisions because I like I like the way things have been. I'm you know kind of stuck in the past guy, but um, it's also the last year you could win a division title. It's the last Western or Eastern division title that's going to be that's going to be handed out, and that means only one team at the end of the season. Once we get to the expanded league, is going to be able to put a ring on, claim a trophy. And, um, you know, while you may find in some places a a division championship hollow, Arkansas celebrates the ones they've had, the handful Mm -hmm. that they've had since joining the league. So um, I think that's going to get lost in all of this, and you're going to look back, and, you know, you have a great year, you get to Atlanta, but you don't have a trophy in the case for it if you don't win that game. You don't have a ring for your team to have if you don't win that game. So uh, there's going to be some really, really good football teams. Over the next five to ten years, if this is the way the format goes, that don't really have anything in the trophy case to show for a, what will be an exceptional season.
2: Yeah, and hopefully it's one that, uh, again, Arkansas fans can remember for quite some time. I've heard various. It's it's when you get here, again, you listen to different people that are, are not as in tune, that don't know Arkansas top to bottom as much, and uh, just kind of their opinions. Some are high, some are low. Um, but one thing that has consistently stood out to me is I've not talked to a single person here that doesn't have K.J as their first or second team quarterback. Now, I did hear Greg McElroy and some other SEC analysts. They did not have him at the top of their list. Roman Harper did. He's Roman's number one SEC quarterback, but uh, still something so I'll keep an eye on this who, week.
3: If, if it doesn't go those those two with Jaden Daniels and KJ, who is it Milton? Is it Rattler? Who who seems to be the pipe? I haven't seen all these guys' lists and opinions, so if you're not going to put KJ mm-hmm. in it too, who, who seems to be the popular substitute?
2: Jaden, like you mentioned, Jaden Daniels. He, seems, I, I just he assume he's one on yeah, everyone's list. And it, they've they've tossed out Milton, they've tossed out Rattler, they've tossed out. Um, Will Rogers, which okay. are all that'd be another one. Those are all quarterbacks that have had success in certain capacities. I wouldn't say over the course of an entire season. We saw a little bit of Milton last year. Rattler came on in November, and Rogers has been a good quarterback in Starkville the last few seasons. He just doesn't have the mobility as some of the other guys I just lifted. So I don't. I don't think again. What I said is, I think KJ is probably going to end up being second team quarterback. I would rather him not be on the list at all because I just think that gives him more motivation and gives more things for Arkansas fans to yell at, which we love to do. But all uh, oh, the disrespect. We'll just have to. We'll just have to wait and see. we'll
3: we'll, uh, we'll see. I think I think the fact that you're. In Nashville, Tennessee, there's always going to be more local media when it's easy and convenient. They get ballots. I think Joe Milton might have more votes than you think just because of the proximity of where we're at.
2: Yeah, and uh, again, we were kicking around the idea. Do you think that we do see a rotation at some point for the football and basketball championship because we don't oh. see the baseball. And I know basketball has that one offer, but I think they're locked into Real, Nashville yeah. through the 2030s of some sorts. And Atlanta, it sounded like Greg sankey and then we're working on that deal to maintain in Atlanta. I love the idea of playing either a basketball SEC championship because, of course, Arkansas fans love Reunion Arena Southwest Conference or a football championship. I know the Big 12 place in at t Stadium, but uh, Dallas is just an attractable place. Yeah, and
3: you're going to have women's events uh, with women's basketball. You're going to have you're going to have other conference events. Uh, you know um, that that are easier probably to rotate the, through the Dallas market. Problem is, you get to Dallas. And some of these sports, if they're not in your top two or three sports, they can get lost in the shuffle in a place like mm-hmm. the Dallas Metroplex. But I hope that there is some, and I think Nashville is a great place to, to host basketball four out of five years. I just think one out of five, you ought to explore other geographic parts of this league, whether it's Dallas, we've been to St. Louis, New Orleans, Tampa, are all places that uh, that you've been to. So, um, you yeah, know, I, I think those are all places that, that fit in the footprint and... Yeah, I, I think you get stuck in stuff and it gets a little old and boring, you know, for some, for some people. And yeah. uh, particularly the ones, the small percentage that go year after year.
2: Well, speaking of championships, Greg Sankey was emphatic yesterday about what the SEC produces in championships. I mean, you think about that they've had a team within the college football playoff every year since its inception. Five schools have won championships in the last 13 years in football. Four straight college football playoff national champions. In addition to that, you had the number one picks in the NFL, the WNBA, the MLB, plus the highest collegiate players drafted in the
3: NBA, too. And I don't know if you made a note of this. They went over the times that two SEC schools have played each other for the national title, I believe LSU in Florida were the 19th time that's happened in any of the sports oh, wow. where, I believe that's the number he said yesterday, where two schools from this league played each other for the national championship in their sport. 19 times. That um, comes back from, from baseball just... I guess, a few weeks ago at this point.
2: Yeah, that's insane. You think about, again, the College World Series people with the, Tommy just referenced the Florida LSU National Championship. I think about the Alabama LSU Football National Championship. You've had women's basketball national championships that way. Baseball. I mean, it's just one after Georgia, one after Georgia one. Bama, yeah, you know. it's one. I mean, it just keeps happening and happening. Hopefully, it'll mm-hmm. continue that way. Now, what needs to happen is, again, basketball's got to get off their you-know-what and get that thing going. Basketball is behind and not in draft picks, not in talent, but you're not doing what you need to do in postseason. That's the one sport where, again, and help me who they – I know Liebowitz was the guy. Who did they just hire from the NBA? I, I, Adam Glissman, I think is yep. his name maybe. Um, they've got to get that on in, in, into the same echelon as what you're seeing in football in baseball in women's basketball and softball they've got to up that game a little bit in terms of where they end up in the final four and potentially the national championship
3: i think think they're working on it i think it's a priority they're putting the money into it. you look at the coaches in this league and uh you know it's a in college it's all about the coach if you if you're winning and winning championships it's because you have the right coach Mm -hmm. if you're not winning the way you want to it's because you don't have the right coach so i mean it's it's what it's about and this league is becoming more and more about better coaches that can get that talent but because of because of the transfer portal because of one and done because of a lot of variables that exist in basketball that don't necessarily exist in football particularly the one and done element i think it's just i think it's harder than we Realize in basketball to get it done now. Yeah.
2: And uh, when you think about basketball, Bud Walton having the attendance it does, you think about your softball program having the attendance it does in Vogel in, in Park. That's not just an Arkansas thing. The SEC has dominated football attendance once again, baseball attendance once again. 24th and 27th consecutive year that you have that. And I know, again, Tommy, we always talk about the Big Ten schools having more people in proximity and just where, where they're located, in their bigger towns or whatnot. But when it comes to not only the viewership and just the attendance, the SEC is right there
3: with them. Absolutely. Brought to you this morning from Nashville by The Fence Man, the company you can trust when it comes to fencing and gates and anything around your home. My mom recently had a new fence, and uh, it's uh, honest, honest I can be about it, her fence was kind of iffy in between. It's their home's 13, 14 years old, and – Probably could have patched it up, gotten through some repairs, you know, $1,000, 1500 $2,000 worth of repairs and board replacement, this and that. You know, and for, for a little bit more, not a ton more, she got a whole new fence. And... At her age, she won't have to worry about a fence again. There you go. And, you know, they use pre-treated lumber that's pre-stained, and it makes it easy and simple. That The staff has been just great to work with, and particularly in these hot days, it's been hard on the crews for the fence man. They've still come out and done a great job, gotten the work done. And work with her on her schedule so if you want a company that's easy to work with that does quality work is going to be honest with you give you a yeah here's your options and you know sometimes spending a little bit more money is the better option That was the case for my mom when it came to her new fence from the fence man. 782-3936 is the number. Call Sean. He'll come out and look at your fence, give you a free quote. They love custom work as well. They're not afraid of a big job that's hard to tackle. 782-3936, the fence man.
2: He ain't afraid of no work. Got a chance to hear from Brian Kelly, Eli Drinkwitz, and also Jimbo Fisher yesterday. Now, I want you all to listen to this clip, and you tell me if this seems a little off when Jimbo Fisher – asked about Bobby Petrino's opinion and how it affects the offense and the football team. I'm the boss.
3: We're the boss. We'll do it at the end of the day. But you listen to everybody's opinion. Everybody can voice their opinion. I I want guys with opinion. I want guys who have knowledge. I want guys who make you think. I want guys to... Create different narratives that brought to the table that can help us. I think that's the I think the best thing you have, and I think
1: that's one of the reasons, some of the reasons you hired them to do different scenarios and different things like that. But as far as that, we all have great respect for each other, and it's been tremendous. We've had great we've had great response, and haven't had any issues.
2: Listen to the top of this again. I'm the boss. We're the boss. We'll do it. With- I'm the boss. We're the boss.
3: I don't. know What does a, that mean? I don't know if that's a misspeak or. Uh, he was. I don't. Know, I don't. I can't tell you exactly what that means.
2: He was not a fan of those questions, and Bob asked him one. Yet some other people asked him some questions surrounding Bobby Petrino, and he again, we, we got a chance to talk with Olin Buchanan yesterday. They're only going to get a chance to talk with Bobby Petrino once. Yeah. in media, and they he does not open his assistant coaches up to that. So. I mean, the narrative is going to build, and Jimbo Fisher did not help himself out at all yesterday on that narrative. Well, I, I mean,
3: other than dissecting and, and really diving into those first few words, uh, everything you, else he said is right on. I mean, you don't want to surround yourself with yes men. You don't want to surround you. And I thought Bobby Petrino when he was at Arkansas, that's exactly what he did with his staff. They were they were a bunch of also rans and well wasn't it, at that point not so much later on in his career yes um, but they were kind of also rans in the college coaching circles um, that was one thing about Belam at least early with him he had some 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 names in college football that were on his staff yeah and uh, you know one of them is now the head coach at Arkansas Petrino, not not as much up and comers guys that uh, had been around him for years that were willing to to tolerate what it took to work for Bobby Petrino because he was the guy and he was always going to be the smartest one in the room and nobody really challenged what Bobby Petrino had to say if you want to grow and you want to get better and you know y- y- expand where you're at I think you got to bring in people with different perspectives and ideas and I think that's exactly what he's doing but what he said's right in the end he's the boss he's the head coach and all of them are going to sink or swim with him because what happens when they fire the head coach? Everybody else is gone too. Yeah. And their families are disrupted. And all. So to, to say I'm the boss and I'm going to make the final call, I don't have any problem with that at all. In fact,
2: I'd have a problem if he didn't feel that way. Well, here's where I'm coming from. Bobby Petrino has not been an assistant coach in 20 years. That's true. Jimbo Fisher has not let go of the offense in either College Station or Tallahassee, Florida, in 10-plus years. Right. Even he was the main guy in charge when he was the offensive coordinator for the late Bobby Bowden. So you're telling me this is, gonna, uh, well, this is well, going to – What does let go of something mean? He's still the head coach. He's
3: supposed to be completely hands-off, have no input? I don't, I don't understand whoa. what let go means in, in terms of, you of a, have, coach, a head coach's involvement in the direction of his team.
2: We, we've spoken numerous times at how much control Bobby Petrino has. Paul Petrino and Garrick McGee were not the offensive coordinators in Fayetteville. That was Bobby Petrino, and he pushed back on that. No. As the head coach, no. Bobby has still is bringing that personality in as an offensive coordinator, and I know this. People say, oh, there's adjustment. He knows what it's like to be assistant. Y'all, when you've done something for 20 straight years where you've had complete control of your program and all of a sudden you have to answer to someone, I know you say, oh, he has to answer the athletic directors. Football coaches and athletic director relationships are so much different than head coach-assistant coach relationships. It's not even close. That being said... I I like I, I see the angle where this could work for a year or two. And, again, I think he's doing this to try to get back into D1 head coaching. But on the other side, I, I could see this blowing up in year one and this being a complete disaster and disarray in College Station. But if it blows up, who also
3: loses? Bobby.
2: Yeah, because um, he's looking for a job. Now,
3: if, if because if it blows up, it probably means things didn't go well. Mm-hmm. It means they didn't win enough games well then where's the head coaching opportunity out of that back at the top yeah he'd probably like to make another 10 15 million dollars before he calls it a day That's a good point well to do that he's got to become a head coach at at even a, a mid-major level uh and, and coach four or five more years he needs his, his future his family's future is tied to his success so i mean it it go it does better for Bobby when things go well, as his you know because he's making good money as the coordinator there. But he, I, I agree with you. His eyes are on a four or five million dollar contract. He can't do that unless they win games and the offense looks good in College
2: Station. Ben in Little Rock, in on the McCarty Daniel hotline. He said he sounds like Chad Morris. Remember, when Chad Morris was asked about the quarterback situation with Hicks and Nick Starkle. And he said, everyone gets opinion. He said something like, everyone gets opinion and I get two or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm paraphrasing. But that's been, that's what I thought as well when I heard Jimbo he Fisher talking. about it. He's the head coach. He's the, the final box. say. But again, <laughs> that to me screams insecurity. That's to me screams that I have to say this. I have to, again, come out and be like, oh my gosh, I'm still doing this. I'm still in that. That's, he was asked a hundred questions about it. I mean, he answered the he, question that, that was asked. But that's the thing, Tommy. He didn't even go he, when he was asked about. It, he's like, I'm not getting into getting into schematics. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But he's like, I'm the boss. Blah blah blah. I don't. I I don't think that he still fully knows how this season is going to go in terms of who has control the offense. I get the fourth down. You made a point, I think, either today or yesterday that, hey, if we're going forward on fourth down, I'm going to go. And I know Petrino's never going to say no to going forward on fourth down. But think Sam Pittman doesn't make that call now? No, he does, but yeah. I, I, he's much it, it, the the idea that Sam Pittman is, has the reins of the offense with Dan Enos or had it with Bryles. He's much more hands off that approach, right? You think he's
3: scared to let Petrino go because you know he might come in and just set the world on fire, and it might make him look bad. No, I don't know.
2: I don't. Why, why do you think that? Because NM's been stagnant on offense, with the exception of Calvin Mon under Jimbo Fisher. I mean, are you saying
3: from the standpoint that hey, if it goes well, they're going to fire Jimbo and make Bobby no, the head coach? I, Is that what you're saying? I
2: don't, well, I don't know what he's thinking exactly. I'm sure. Are you, are, are you saying that Jimbo's I just don't know if he's got credit the for it?
3: betterment of the team in mind? He might. <laughs> he might. It might be one of those things where I don't want to look. Jimbo's
2: got 75 million that he can sit on Tommy if he I gets. That's exactly gets where I was fired. going next. They fire him, and oh, what happens next? He just keeps
3: getting a lot of money. But you know, I thought it went. When Houston Nutt was at Arkansas, he wanted to make sure he got the credit for the success, and, uh, and maybe Jimbo's in that camp. I mean, we're not there on a daily basis, but he doesn't strike me as the guy that necessarily has to get credit for every little morsel of success.
2: He doesn't come across as that? This screams. I'm glad you brought this screams Gus on Houston Nutt. This hire screams that to Good. me. This is going to be I one mean, of those it, is
3: a, a, it, it From the outside looking in. I don't know if it was the arranged marriage like Gus because Gus came in as part of getting that recruiting package with those with the Springdale Six. I mean, that was an overarching thing with with that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. If Gus hadn't coached those kids, he wouldn't have got that job, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. That There, there wasn't a, a package of kids that came with
2: Bobby Petrino. That was now. correct me if I'm wrong. But Jimbo was told to hire somebody. They didn't say go hire Bobby Petrino. I was – I think this is correct. That's the only time that Frank Broyles as athletics director allowed a coach to have back-to-back losing seasons and keep his job. Yes. And that was one, I think, the conditions behind the scenes. I'll never know that 100%, but it was like – you need to make this higher so we can well, get these kids and go. In and they get need it. to get those kids is yeah, what they need. It and,
3: wasn't so much about getting Gus. I don't think at that moment it was about getting those
2: players. And they were able to do that. But this seems to me a, a forced marriage. Jimbo can say whatever he wants. Maybe it goes well in College Station. This was not something I think he wanted to do personally. A forced marriage, but I think he got to pick the bride still. Hey, you got to get married, but you can pick <laughs> you the bride.
3: You don't have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can I choose uh, <laughs> Jessica Alba
2: yes, as mine? but you must get married. She dude. is a Razorback fan. She had a great time in Walton yeah. Arena, apparently.
0: Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
2: Hey everybody, now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking to lose a little weight. Get that lake body ready, that river body, whatever body you're trying to get going this summer. You can do that with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast, and it's quick. And it's easy. Plus, no one has time to cook in the summer. We're off going on vacation. We're helping out with the kids. This, again, helps skip that trip to the grocery store, the prepping, the cleaning, all that in just one quick meal. It's fresh. It's never frozen. And it's ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat and eat. And again, this is awesome, premium, ready-to-eat meals, 34-plus options. Listen to some of these bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, grilled steakhouse filet mignon, and again, ready in just two minutes. So whether it's for lunch, you're just doing it on the go, or you're just trying to be calorie conscientious this summer, you can do it with Factor, plus 30 grams of protein each meal with each Serving Again, all these different flavor-packed options, keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, whatever you're looking for, you can do it with Factor. Plus, there's about 45-plus add-ons as well, including breakfast items. Don't forget about that as well. 100% is what you're going to get with Factor. This July, take advantage and, get order Factor two minutes, no less. Head to factormeals.com, again, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals, and enter the code slash HTL50. Again, factormeals.com slash HTL50. And use that code, HTL50, to get 50% off your order. Again, 50% off your order this July. That's, again, HTL50. HTL50, 50% off your meal Per factor. And again, that is August as well. You're going to get in both July and August 50% off. Just use the code HTL50. Try Factor today. Again, FactorMeals.com slash HTL50. your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the
0: game starts you're listening to the bud light morning rush podcast bud light proud
2: sponsor of arkansas athletics Welcome in Dan Peck, live ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Man, that was a that was a great game. Oh, uh, you
1: know, it was, uh, the I, I barely remember last season, guys. So I, you know, I'm no, it's it's uh, it's great, it's great to be back. Uh, love the uh, love the show. Uh, always have fun when it's, like, it, it's it's weird because there's not a lot of, it doesn't make sense geographically, but Auburn and Alabama have had a lot of memorable games in division play. I. I wouldn't close the door on the chance of Auburn and Alabama seeing each other more often. I like I don't know if they make sense as one of the three permanent opponents <laughs> for each other, but at the same time, wait, it's early. I'm picking up on sarcasm. Here. No, no, no. I, I mean, I mean it. Like, I mean, our, Auburn, Auburn, and Arkansas, are going to play in 24, and I mean after after Alabama and Georgia. Like, I I don't know. Yeah. Who Auburn's third permanent <laughs> opponent is going to be, and Auburn and Arkansas have well, played have played every year since division play and. That's going to continue even after division play ends in 24. We were talking about arranged
3: marriages with Jimbo and, and Bobby in the last hour. There is a shotgun wedding in this league with Arkansas and Missouri. You're going to play the – it's just a forced arrangement. I mean, a, a, at least maybe Jimbo had a choice on who he's going to hire, but you're going to hire somebody. Arkansas is getting
1: zero options. We are going to play Missouri whether you like it or not. Like yeah, and, and Auburn's, Auburn's definitely going to, play, going to play Bama. They're definitely going to play Georgia. Yeah. And then that third opponent, I think it's, it's a wild when card you, where you could, you could look to some of the, the, the historic – mm <laughs> You know, if, if, assuming the SEC goes to that three permanent opponent arrangement yeah. mm-hmm. down the line, I I don't know who Auburn's third opponent could be, and yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't close the door on the chance that they keep an SEC West opponent like Arkansas on Auburn's schedule. I hope they get a hard team at their third one. I mean,
3: oh, exactly. Georgia and Bama aren't. I mean, you need something more difficult. Than yeah, that, maybe
1: dude. LSU or Oklahoma. <laughs> maybe. Would, would, would make sense <laughs> yeah. to, balance, to balance the schedule out. Maybe yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles or something. You sound like Saban. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we were uh, we were talking about Jared Stidham last night. And I remember that year where he beat both Alabama and Georgia, and then had to play Georgia in the SEC championship game, which they lost Georgia again goes on to play Alabama in that national championship game it's just I know Arkansas fans like the the four game stretch that Arkansas had this year is the toughest in college football but if you're an Auburn fan having to play Georgia and Alabama every single year is just horrible and and on this run yeah like you said the the chance
1: that you may have to see Georgia again in the SEC championship game is is very real too and so yeah I mean that's I mean I, I think that you're not you're not getting you're not moving Bama or Georgia off the schedule for Auburn and and that's part of the reason you know college football's great is mm-hmm. cuz of rivalries like that. I'm glad the games aren't right next to each other on the schedule anymore and they've moved Georgia to earlier in the year at least. I'd like to see Georgia maybe as Auburn's opener and and Bama as the closer if, if they're both going to be on the schedule. Uh, at, at least conference opener this, you know, for for Auburn.
3: This very conversation we're having about games and rivalries and that's the central key, I think, to the eight versus nine games. And Sankey touched on it yesterday. If you play eight, we can protect one. Well, that means the Iron Bowl is protected in Auburn's case. In Arkansas's case, it's Missouri for, Missouri. Whatever, for whatever
1: reason, whatever dumb reason. But if you do go two-nine. could be a and M. I don't know. Just because I don't know if A&M well, is another team that's uh, – that's, I mean, what, what, would A&M be LSU's permanent opponent? Well, I mean, that, would that it be, should be
3: Texas moving forward, but Texas
1: must play Oklahoma, exactly. too. So, I mean, I think that's
3: ultimately – when you talk about eight versus nine, I think that's the reason we go to nine. It's not for money because there's not enough money in an extra game that you're already playing. This isn't an extra conference game. You're not playing an extra game. It's still 12 games. Um, The reason you go to nine is to make sure you can have fair and balanced schedules but still have the three key games that are important to your fans, important to TV, important to tradition. I mean, when you tune into the SEC, I want to see OU and Texas still, even though that's an old Big Twelve game. I want to see Auburn, Georgia. I want to see the Deep South oldest it, rivalry,
1: Georgia Florida. Those are games I want to watch. If there was an understanding that everyone in the conference would play two Power Five teams out of conference every year, I'd be okay with eight. Like if if that was the understanding that yeah. everyone's going to play two out of two Power Five out of conference teams every year, and eight SEC games. Like I, I think that'd be really interesting, and I think the matchups we'd get. At a conference, would maybe justify keeping eight games. I don't know if we're getting two out of conference games against Power Five teams for every team in the league if we stay with eight. Well, I could, and and that that to me is if we if we're doing it to keep uncompetitive games, you know, SEC versus Group of Five, SEC versus FCS. If we're doing it to keep those games on the schedule, then we're doing it to provide. A substandard product to the mm-hmm. fans. If we're doing it for other, re- you know, if we're doing it negotiating with SEC with, with ESPN, like I, I sort of understand some of the stances on eight games, but I really just want the best product possible, and I'm not sure that necessarily is a you know I'm, I'm not sure that's necessarily eight eight out of eight SEC games and one power five out of conference game, which is sort of where we are right now.
3: You know, they we just. Announced and talked about the Ark Arcan- or the uh, SEC ACC basketball challenge. I don't know why the SEC and the Big Ten can't do something similar in football. And to me, if they just said, "All right, Kraft, you're the commissioner. You set it up. All right, at the end of this year, whoever the top two teams are, one's going to play one, two's going to play two. You just keep going down. That way, all the games are in theory competitive, and there's some blockbuster matchups near the top." Um, Maybe you could adjust some of that thought and theory, but um, with the 12-team playoff, I know the conference champion gets the automatic bid, but that's not going to affect that. A non-conference loss in Ohio State versus Alabama in uh, the third week of September isn't going to mess with that. And to
1: be clear, I think I'd prefer nine conference games and three out-of-conference games to eight and four, Uh, but... If yeah, if you were going to get interesting with the with the four out of conference games, and you're going to start providing really top tier matchups while playing the eight well, conference, that'd be one thing. I just I just don't know if that's where we're like. I I think we're eventually going to get to nine. My guess is that Texas and Oklahoma want nine SEC games, and when they're full voting members, uh, Sankey will have a majority to get to 9 but right now he doesn't mm-hmm. like that, that's that's my guess is that how this thing shakes out and maybe maybe even starting in 25 we get to 9 once Texas and Oklahoma have full share of votes in the SEC which could which could come as early as I mean, next year in uh, in, in Dallas mm-hmm. when we uh, when we when we do this yeah. thing. By the way, you guys going to the home run derby with me? We're going to go shag yeah. some fly balls. Sure, and the star uh, at, game, at the yeah. home run derby and in, uh, in the in the All Star game
2: next year and uh, uh, during media days. It's going to be know. an entertaining uh, thing. We were yeah. kicking around the idea earlier. You got Nashville, you got Atlanta, now Dallas. I mean, the idea of rotating. Greg Stanky was pretty staunch about playing the college football playoff or excuse me, the uh, SEC championship in Atlanta. But now that you've thrown Dallas in the mix, Nashville obvi- evidently has the, again, the elements, the attraction and a new stadium. Why would you not move that around at some point? And,
1: and New Orleans is one of the top event cities mm-hmm. in the in, in the country as well. They've you know they've they've hosted the SEC championship game uh, before. So I mean I think that's also would be a, that that would be another place where or maybe it's the other way around. I think the Sugar Bowl, the the, the Sugar Bowls played at the Georgia Dome when the Superdome was was, was being oh, messed with. So they've okay. they've tinkered right. with with New Orleans and Georgia and Atlanta as as host cities before. So I would I would I would nominate New Orleans as, I, a, as a potential as well.
3: You know, just as a visitor as a traveler, I mean I love New Orleans. The food's great, but these cities like Nashville that are progressive and growing. I mean, New Orleans, there's not much new in New Orleans. I mean, it's only getting worse in a lot of ways. Dallas, Nashville, Atlanta, um, to me, are more attractive than than the New Orleans option anymore. Just I know there's the, the, the nostalgia of the French Quarter,
1: but th- beyond that, there's not much else to offer. That's a good point. I mean, it's more, and, I, and I'm I'm not I don't want to end up on the wrong side of any curses or anything, so I'm going to be careful about what yeah. I say about New Orleans. But but it's uh, yeah, uh no it's- I, I, I see what you mean, and I think there's there's probably something to that. Although there's there's also the nostalgia angle and the you know the the, the party angle. But
2: you're well, right. If I
3: mean, it's all about food, we'd always go to New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the best food in the in, in the country. Yeah, uh,
2: we're talking again with uh, Dan Peck, ESPN 106.7, and Auburn. Dan, I want to ask you about Peyton Thorne transferring from Michigan State. Didn't really have a quarterback last year in Auburn. Um, Robbie Ashford just wasn't what the Tigers needed, and Brian Harson needed. We spent last year. this time last year. We thought Zach Calzada was going to play most of Auburn snaps at quarterback, transfer. a&M
1: transfer who was <laughs> competing for the job. Maybe, maybe had some health issues, uh, keeping mm-hmm. him from. I don't think he played a snap uh, for Auburn this past season after, uh, after after finishing the year for a&M.
2: We saw Gus catch lightning in a bottle in 2013. Is there any indication that this could happen for Thorne, Freeze, and Auburn this year? They come know, to Fayetteville, by the way. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I don't know if I mean that 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 Malzahn team went to the. NAC National championship in year one after taking over a team that didn't win a conference game, which is you know one of the more remarkable turnarounds we'll ever see in, in the SEC for a team to go from 0-8 in conference to SEC champions a year later. Is I mean to, to think about what that would entail now, right? For a team to go from yeah. from from Ofer to uh, league champion, I, I don't know if Auburn's gonna be able to pull off that kind of turnaround. But uh, I think Hugh Freeze has done a really admirable job trying to upgrade the roster after showing up and and having. I mean this this is a there are 42 new players on Auburn's team. They have they have they have nearly remade half the roster between true freshmen and transfer portal players. I mean it is it is one of the more remarkable uh, uh, roster shakeups in college football this year so I think uh, yeah I I think Auburn has the chance to be much improved quarterback was a problem last year Peyton Thorne has a much stronger resume and track record than anyone Auburn's had at quarterback since Bo Nix left Uh, but uh, at the same time it's a it's a league full of guys who it's a, a conference full of teams that think they can hang with Auburn right now and and we'll see what Auburn looks like against uh, against the teams on their schedule.
3: Dan Peck, ESPN 1067 talking Auburn this morning with us here from Radio Row in Nashville. How big a factor was Liberty's win over Arkansas with Hugh Freeze as the head coach? How big a factor was that in Auburn's decision to hire Hugh Freeze as their head
1: coach? So we had been hearing Hugh Freeze rumors uh, you know r- really since the end of Harson's first year uh, when when it sounded like things were you know behind the scene things were starting to go sour. Yeah. And you know Hugh Freeze had Hugh, Hugh Freeze had uh, supporters, you know, within, within Auburn. I mean, I, th- I think there are people who wanted Hugh Freeze instead of Brian Harson uh, after the 2020 season. So, uh, yeah, the thought that someone – and I think, you know, the, what he did at Liberty is, is certainly part of it. But I think there's also the belief that if you recruit the way he did at Ole Miss – And I understand there are asterisks involved in his recruiting at Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. but if you recruit the way Hugh Freeze did at Ole Miss, imagine what you can do with Auburn's resources. Historically, Auburn has out-recruited Ole Miss. Uh, Historically, I mean, usually Auburn is – Considerably better yeah. th- than Ole Miss on the recruiting trail, and if Hugh Freeze can do that with Ole Miss resources, the thought that maybe he could do even more with Auburn's resources. Recruiting has been an issue really since the end of the Malzahn era. I mean, it was it was something that was trending in the wrong direction while other teams in the SEC were trending in the right direction. And and I think the, I mean, there's there's also thoughts of what he can do as an X as an O's coach. But I really. I think it was about talent acquisition, the belief that Hugh Freeze can turn this roster into something that's much closer to one of the top rosters in the conference. He I
2: mean, went in Arkansas' own backyard and got Walker White. I know he's just committed at this point, but I know that's a, a name that Arkansas fans know being the top quarterback in the class of 2024. When, when I think about Auburn, and Tommy and I have talked about this, Arkansas has a pretty say light home schedule, it's never light in the SEC, but that should be a game that Arkansas fans are, are hoping and, and, and wanting to win. You think about where that game sits in the schedule first weekend of November, kind of leading up closer to that Alabama game, where do you think Auburn will be at that point when they come into favor and what kind of test do you think they, they're going to have to deal with in KJ when they really couldn't stop him last it's, year?
1: It's a tough matchup for Auburn. I was I was breaking down the, uh, the conference schedule and I think there's an argument to be made that Arkansas, at Arkansas, is the third toughest game on Auburn's schedule this year after Alabama. it's the eleventh, by the way. Not or, third. Or, I mean, you got, you got Bama, Georgia, and LSU. Yeah. I think the fourth toughest game on the schedule might be Arkansas. Because, I mean, you've got a mm-hmm. an Arkansas team that they're going to be at home. They really leaned on Auburn's defensive line last year. And Auburn, I mean, we talked about it before the game. Auburn had only played three defensive linemen in the game the week before Arkansas mm-hmm. and the thought that you're going to only play three defensive linemen the whole game against Arkansas with that offensive line and those running backs and K.J. Jefferson I just I had a I had a bad feeling about, about about where Auburn sat last year when Arkansas came to town now Auburn has remade the defensive line they went out and they got uh, Justin Rogers from Kentucky uh, who had an Alabama offer and picked Auburn instead mm-hmm. uh, they went and got uh, Marilyn Mo um, assigned to who who's a, uh, a, a big defensive End. Uh, they landed a five star uh, from just outside Montgomery and Keldrick Fox. So Auburn's got uh, a remade uh, front seven and some defense. I mean, Austin Keys was Ole Miss's linebacker for half the last season, starting middle linebacker. He's at Auburn now. So Auburn's remade the front seven, and, and that's, that's something that may neutralize the matchup with Arkansas a little bit, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, at Arkansas later in the season, especially if Auburn's defense is, is dealing with any depth problems at all, like, that's just a I mean, that, that's, that's brutal. I, I don't know much about your offensive line. I assume it's good because Sam Pittman's there, yeah, and it's, and it's just like that's man, you know, I'd, we'll, I'd, we'll see. I'd be terrified to be a, an offensive lineman playing poorly uh, for for Arkansas with with a coach like Sam Pittman. So uh, yeah, I mean if if, our, if, our, if, our, if Arkansas is offense resembles what it was when when you guys were cooking auburn uh that that's going to be something that you really need to have you need, you need to have talent and depth defensively it's going to handle. be
2: cold too in Fayville 9 on November 11th well Dan we really appreciate the time again live from Radio Road, Dan Pack, ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Dan. I I know you don't hope the game goes like it was last year, but I sure do. That was.
1: And I'm, you know, uh, I haven't ruled it out. I I do need to. It's been too long since my last trip to Fayetteville. I, I probably do need to uh, to, to, need make to make the it, man. make the trip.
2: Make the trip, man. Well, we appreciate your time this morning. Come on
1: see us. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Buffalo Wild Wings just dropped two new sauces for a limited time to try on your traditional or boneless wings. Come into any participating Buffalo Wild Wings and try our new Buffalo Ranch or Honey Garlic Sauce. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Litterock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and Jonesboro to try the new Buffalo Ranch or Honey Garlic Sauce. While supplies last, get yours today. Buffalo Wild Wings.
0: It's Christmas in July.
4: Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. pascal.com.
2: Get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core jewelry!
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas
2: Athletics. We're back, Tommy. We're back here from Radio Row Live at SEC Media Days. Let's get into a hog update. Arkansas will bring Landon Jackson, Rocket Sanders, K.J. Jefferson, and Sam Pittman tomorrow. Now, we already heard from three coaches and Greg Sankey yesterday. We're going to hear from four coaches today. But, of course, all eyes and all ears are going to be on what Coach Pittman has to say when he gets here, and he's following Saban tomorrow.
3: So that means the Arkansas media will pay most attention and everybody else will compare what Kirby says today to what Coach Saban says tomorrow
2: and uh, that will be I think kind of where the conversation evolves. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's how it uh that's how it goes down here. And Kirby Smart is over kind of overtaken him again. This has been the Nick Sabin show for the last decade or so and it's it's changed up a little bit. With overtaken. Smart. Yeah. Mm, I wouldn't go that far. He's but, still the goat. He's, he's yeah, he is the greatest of all time, but what has Alabama done the last two years compared to the back-to-back but national We're champion? not talking about
3: that. We're talking about who's going to garner the most attention. Who, I mean, When he walks in, it will be one thing with Kirby. It will be another level mm-hmm. with Saban.
2: Smart still. He's got his up. And, I, I Lynn, I I said this last year. I don't think Georgia wanted a piece of Alabama and Bryce Young. They didn't have to play him two years ago. Of course, they they beat them in the national championship after losing the SEC championship. But Kirby has a leg up on recruiting. Kirby has a step up on him as a brand right now. And Alabama's got some, well it's not a lot, they've got some catching up to you. You're not going to do that tomorrow when Saban speaks. But I am curious to see what Kirby Smart says today in regards to his football program and what Sam Pittman says as well. He's going to answer a lot of
3: questions about off-the-field behavior yeah. and speeding tickets and player, uh, and he doesn't want to do that, and it, it's it's unfortunate his team has put him in that spot, but uh, the buck stops with him and there's going to be a lot of questions about that, I'm sure.
2: Roman Harper has, KJ Jefferson is the best quarterback in the SEC. Has talking with anyone the last day or so convinced you that KJ is not going to be a top two quarterback come Friday? Well, I mean, Joe Milton being
3: in-state here and and, and how this thing can get heavy with in-state media could convince me why, why he wouldn't make it. Yeah. I mean, just just because there's some, some home bias. Some, if some you will. home bias. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, again, we'll have to see. A Rocket will be either first or second team running back as well. So, again, you, two of the guys that you're bringing in are going to get much attention paid starting tomorrow. That is your hog update this morning. Not a lot going on. Again, were we 40, what did I say, at 46 days out? Or I was it 46? Right. Yeah, 46 days out from Razorback football, getting closer and closer. And again, that is your hog update brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up. With any malarkey call. Sparky. So, what is the best quote, the best offseason quote that you've heard thus far? We've oh, gotten I better. I mean, everyone thinks that it uh, brought to be 12 and 0 this upcoming season. The, the positivity is flowing right now through SEC media days into SEC well, football fans. We've
3: only had three coaches so far. So, to say we, you know, I don't think we've hit the cliche of the week yet, but. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a that's an. I didn't, I didn't even thought about you know best best quote best uh, cliche, but there there will be plenty of opportunity today with four coaches at the podium.
2: Our guys are working hard. We got better in the transfer yeah. portal. Um, He's going to make a head coach someday. I mean, I'm just listening to all these cliches drone on and on. And, you know, I, I was curious. I asked, I asked Jaden Daniel straight up yesterday. I said, Jaden, I think you're the best quarterback. Or, or, yeah. I go, do you think you're the best quarterback in the SEC? And then he gave me a, a very well thought out answer. And I was hoping he'd say yes and then go on and drone on about that. But he just kind of left it there. I thought the best quote or turn of a
3: phrase yesterday was Brian Kelly with LSU and asked about the NIL in regards to state legislation. He said, quote, I'm not here to legislate it. I'm here to navigate it. I thought that was a, a well-turned phrase, and he's right. He, he, it's not up to him to decide the laws. It's not up to him to decide the, you know, the, the, the future of it. It's his job as the head coach to see where the advantage is he can take. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was uh, probably as well-turned a phrase as I heard yesterday.
2: Kelly also touched on the fact that this needs to be thought of when Arkansas goes into Baton Rouge. They go to Starkville the week before, they play Arkansas at home, and then they also have Ole Miss the following weekend as well. So they have a a decently tough stretch for LSU. Again, three of their first four games in the Southeastern Conference start on the road for the LSU Tigers.
3: But as he said, five of six are at home on the back end, and that's where you you feel like your team should play the best is – is on the back end of the schedule, so they'll have the advantage of playing in maybe the most difficult venue in our league uh, a lot more frequently towards the second half of the schedule.
2: He got asked about the gap, too, between the Tigers and the Bulldogs, and I think he mentioned last week at some point that they he still feels like they're a year away from competing for a national championship. I mean, they get to the SEC championship last year with two losses. You lost to Florida State early, and then you lost... To uh, Texas A&M at the tail end of the year, but I think a lot of people, seeing what LSU returns, seeing what they have at quarterback, and seeing Brian Kelly having the the pass success, expect them not just to, to compete with Georgia, but maybe even beat them in the well, SEC championship.
3: A little worrisome about his defense. He spoke on that when you bring as many players in on the portal in their secondary is as, as he spoke about yesterday. There's a reason you're bringing them in, and he said, you know, with portal players, you just don't know till you get that first game. You can yeah. have all the Spring games or spring practices, you can have all the fall camp you want. You don't know until you get to that first game what you really have.
2: Yeah, and that's, uh, again, something that he'll have to figure out just as Arkansas does. You think about what Arkansas replaced on defense to to last year and what they're having to do. So they're in similar situations from a secondary standpoint and everything that Arkansas has to replace this upcoming season.
3: McCarty Daniel Hotline is open, 877-377-6963. You got questions for us, we're on Radio Row. We'll have more coming up with Phil and... Matt on halftime, Ruskin and Zach this afternoon. A full docket today, beginning with Vanderbilt. We've mentioned Kirby Smart, uh, so it's uh, it's going to be a full morning here at SEC Media Day. He's feeding it into an afternoon with Hugh Freeze and Zach Garnett from Auburn and Mississippi State. Arkansas' uh, contingent
2: gets here tomorrow. Greg Sankey brought this up yesterday. The SEC-led nation attendance in football once again. Arkansas had a double-digit percentage attendance increase for their football team, and in- and you had a pretty solid schedule this past year, Tommy. do you, Do you think the attendance for football increases this year too, with the less of a schedule that you have? You still have a good schedule. I mean, I'm still excited for Auburn and Mississippi State, of, but with one game being in Little Rock, do you do you see a decrease in the? No, and, and here's why. I think the fact that you know what's coming in 25.
3: And you don't want to lose your place, lose your seats. No one's giving up their seats this year knowing they may not get them back for next year. So uh, as far as paid attendance, no, I, I don't think so at all.
2: Listen to Brian Kelly. Listen to Eli Drinkwitz and the guy that was just talking to Jimbo Fisher. He he seemed a little fidgety when he was asked about those Bobby Petrino offensive coordinator questions.
4: Yeah. Hey, Ty. Hey, Tommy. Hey, man, you're right. And you know, I'm on to you guys because I noticed how you cleverly slowed Jimbo down to half speed <laughs> to play it so people can understand. Um. (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, no. he he threw a word salad at at us about what Bobby was going to do, and he used the word, what, hopefully, and I'm not going to get into all that? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, Hey, I I don't even know if Bobby Petrino is going to be on the field or in the
2: box or just what, man. So that's going to be an interesting study all year long. And you won't know until that first game that Texas A&M plays. And the, 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 we had Owen Buchanan on yesterday. He was telling you only get one media appearance with the body. He oh. was very wishy-washy yesterday. You just All you have to do is come out and say, he's coaching the offense, I'll have a say. You but know what,
4: instead, he was going in circles. You know what it smacks to me of a little bit? He's a national championship winning coach, but it smacked a little bit of insecurity. When you bring a head coach of Bobby Petrino's magnitude onto your staff, and these questions start to come up, Right and then you got to be ready to deal with him he got a lot of bobby petrino questions yesterday and didn't seem super comfortable although he uh, he touted he touted bobby petrino he's here for a reason he's a brilliant mind he's doing a great job in recruiting right and all those things so
3: surround yourself with smart people but uh, there's like this pushback like like jimbo can't be in charge or have an an input on the offense he's the head coach He's in charge. I mean, I, you know, in terms of business, he owns the program, or he's a general manager, whatever term you want to put on it. The idea that Bobby Petrino has it carte blanche, hands off, Jimbo has no input is—I I, those are people that, to me, that, that have that take that just don't understand how things work. Exactly. And and Jimbo's an offensive guy and
4: has been. And so uh, yeah. the, the, he just, he just said every coach on the staff has input. And someone, well, Brandon Marcello uh, asked him about. What if there's a chance of, like, volatility or a volatile situation? And Jimbo's like, volatile? Why would you say volatile? Um, and I wrote about this today. Um, ha- have you ever been in a coach's staff meeting that di- there-, there wasn't some volatility? So, you know, yeah. th- these are these are high, uh, highly driven, highly motivated guys who have their own opinions and they voice them, they're type A's, and these things are going to happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, bosses and team members disagree on things all the time. And, and and lots of walks of life, you know. In the end, you hear you hear it, and you, you flesh it out, and then you you know someone's got to make a call. Someone's got to make a final decision. Yeah, I, if that's I the were Jim, head
4: coach, if I were Jimbo, you guys have your game plan, and you know if the defense is doing this, we're going to do this,
3: and let Bobby call the plays. That's what I would do. Well, depends on how you know coordinators are often brought in to insulate the head coach. And, you know, I don't want to say this is a, an arranged marriage because I don't know that they told him you got to hire Bobby Petrino. I think it just has the appearance you were told to hire somebody, and it ended up being Bobby Petrino, which is a great choice. And Bobby needs it to go well because he wants to be a head coach again. He'd like to make 10 or $15 million before he's done. Got to be a head coach to do that. I suppose so. Well, his last
4: stint at Missouri State, you know, after the Arkansas game, they, really, they were amped up for that game and they had a good plan, lost it late, they didn't have a good season the rest of the year. So at age 62, I just wonder, you know, who would be interested in him. And, and he still, he took the job with Barry Odom, and 20 days later, he went to AM. That's his
3: entire career pattern in a nutshell. Well, remember when Oh uh, Ellis Johnson did that to him? When he first arrived at Arkansas, he was here and then went to South Carolina after about a cup and a half of coffee, and he, he he left out. He sure did. So that, it, Bobby's been on both
4: sides of that. He has. And I'm sure Barry Odom probably, quote, understood it happens in
3: the well, business. Well, I mean, he's making more as the coordinator at A&M than Barry's making as the head coach at UNLV. So, I mean, how do you, how do you not do that if you're Bobby Petrino? Man.
4: And it's funny. I saw those two talking on the field before the Missouri State-Arkansas game uh, this year. The, the, like a, link, a li- more lengthy time period of mm-hmm. talking, just the two of them that you, you would normally see. And I thought, oh, okay. That's
2: something to, to keep tabs on and obviously paid out for 20 days. Uh, Tom Murphy with us here, normally on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. He's live here at Radio Road, SEC Media Days. Greg Sankey got into about 50 things yesterday. I, one, of the, one of the things he touched on was the NIL and the empty promises and state laws and also the current student-athlete model. Do you agree with what he said about some of that
4: well um i I, for parts of it i was doing something else and i didn't have my complete focus on but he he spent his the majority of his time on nil Mm -hmm. and now i i do agree with him that the mishmash of state laws and people and not being able to control what third parties that are Uh getting into contact with students is a problem and when i hear the word which he said a couple of times we you know It's going to take Congress to come in and fix this? That scares me.
3: Well, there's rules and then there's laws. Governments and legislatures set laws. Member Institute, you're a member of the Football Writers Association. There are rules to be a member, right? I mean, I don't know how extensive that goes, but my point is the NCAA could still have rules that the members agree to. We're going to abide by them. Now, the enforcement of those rules is a different conversation, but there could at least be at the NCAA level more extensive rules but they'd have to agree to enforce those rules they would and i think it's going to take some input from all parties
4: i mean the, the schools are going to have to little be a little bit more forceful maybe report on each other if there's irregularities going on and i'm sure that happens some and the conferences have to have a, a, a stricter grasp on what they're doing and the state law and. Um, Because right now, Tommy, we talked about this right when it was about
3: to be implemented. It was going to be the wild, wild west, and that's exactly what we saw. Because it's turned into what we feared, not what it was intended to be. And he talks about the collectives and the collective of of collectives. They're going to kind of have an association for that. But, again... you're you're relinquishing some control and and his i thought he went into some some real detailed concerns about is this going to have uh these collectives who are they're kind of influencing coaches about who should get playing time And, and you know he talked about promises made to these athletes that aren't kept um you know we all assume that if it's reported so and so is getting a million bucks to do this that they actually get the money well that's not how it's always turned out so far it hasn't and uh Th- those words were a little bit striking. That yeah. um,
4: um, w- 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 what you just mentioned there. So you can tell it's it's high on his mind. Yesterday was very interesting because they they brought up the police uh, detectives right. and, and w- who responded to the shooting here in Nashville in February or March. Um, there was like rounds of applause and things. Um, yesterday was an interesting day for yeah. for Greg Sankey.
3: Tom Murphy normally with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline here with us on Radio Row in Nashville. We were talking. Um, me and Ty were earlier, and we kind of mentioned this as you uh, were getting ready to come on with us. Nashville and Atlanta, I think there's a growing rivalry because there's some questions about the SEC football championship. And once this new dome stadium is built in Nashville, will they have a chance to host? Yeah. Dallas is going to have the SEC media days next year. you got three great cities, big cities, in the conference footprint now with Dallas, Nashville, Atlanta. And Atlanta, I don't think I'm leaving anyone else uh, out of that. I mean, that that are really new, progressive, modern cities. Um, Will we see more movement in the future with the the SEC championships and the variety of sports? Well, as we discussed, I think I'd like to see it. And um,
4: the question about whether Charlotte would host the SEC championship game in football, uh, excuse me, uh, Nashville, I thought was like, well, no, wait a second, because Greg Sankey's immediate response was Bridgestone Arena in Nashville has the contract for basketball for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you want to, like, double up. And so I think maybe when the current contract runs out for Bridgestone, that maybe you do – because it's been in Tampa. um, It's been in New Orleans. They'll move it around. And, you know, we've heard Memphis for baseball years ago and maybe St. Louis, those are also in the footprint – would kansas city be in the front i don't know but those are also cities of of sizable you know and new orleans is
3: is big too nashville atlanta dallas all just have different feels to them i mean just more modern feels and maybe i'm i mean i love going to new orleans the food's great the drinks are great but it's it's old and it's 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 new orleans i mean it's its own thing yeah um you know, Nashville's done, done such a great job here in this downtown area in the last 10 years of bringing it to life the way it is. Think about Razorback fans. or Think
4: about us. We were in Memphis for the bowl game, and we're here now. And you just see see a comparison. Yeah. Memphis has got to get on the good foot, man. They're, they're city leaders. I mean, we ran into a water quality issue in our hotel because uh, I think there had been some winter storms
3: that were a little well, beyond. And there can't be even the hint or the thought in the back of your mind about safety. Safety for your players, your teams, uh, the people you're inviting—you can't put them in an area that uh, is perceived at any level, really, to be, you know, grossly unsafe. you not safe, and and that's one—that's one thing. Memphis and other places, you know, fight that reputation. Uh, they do. And here we're fighting a little bit of
4: construction. But, you know, I'm put on a good face, and we're, we're driving around and getting to the lots we need to get to. And, hey, they're treating us right. We went to a nice thing sponsored by the Nashville Predators last night. We're going to a good one uh, by the Titans mm-hmm. tomorrow. And there's a concert right here um, in the area tonight. And so they've set up a nice well, kind uh, of He's not going to go.
2: You. He's going to take a nap like a bum.
3: No, on, I'm going man. to a dinner tonight. I may come down. I don't know. But uh, it, it, here's the thing: um, it, it, this event, this media event, I don't think fans really care about where it's hosted and what what dinners we're having. They, they could care less about any of that. But one thing that is evident: this is outgrown at least the facility they used in Hoover. If they're going, they're, I can't see this thing going back to Hoover because the conference is outgrown. That facility that they had it at for years at the Winfrey. Huh. Interesting point. I hadn't looked at the, like, considered it from a space standpoint. Space, rooms. I mean, you got two more teams coming in. Yeah. Uh, Rooms required, airports, traffic, shuttles. You, you need. I mean, this is just so much bigger and, and more grandiose here.
4: It is, and you know, I had hoped that we would not see the um, SEC network set right in the back of our room in the main media room, but I think they like all having right. all that acti- activity in their background. And, mm-hmm. and it, it only gets, feel like you at Media Days when you're watching. You do. It make it does. Yeah. Make, and so it's, there's an ambiance to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, every once in a while, they break out into hysterical, crazed laughter in the back of the
3: room. That and a coach will be up there. It's a little yeah. bit, a little weird. All right. Man. So Sam Pippen's here tomorrow. What's uh, what's important for him to convey to the uh, to the assembled media?
4: Oh, I don't know that they've um, that they've done well with their roster management, adding players that they're going to be a viable team. I mean, every appearance you make, it's a recruiting pitch, right? So if kids are watching that, they want to see that Sam Pittman's uh, his self, that he's you know funny, engaging, and Sam Pittman doesn't miss a mark when it comes to that. He's always self deprecating and. Uh, seemingly jov, you know, jovial to mm-hmm. the people, and so presenting himself as he is is always important for like his image and their recruiting philosophy, and so uh, touting Arkansas's good players. Why shouldn't KJ Jefferson be the first team quarterback all SEC? Why shouldn't Rocket Sanders should be first for, for that? Bo Limmer at center. I'm, I see he's getting some activity on some first, first teams as well.
2: Latham will be in, in, in consideration. As Latham
4: well. will, and I mean, and and you know. They've got to be a much better defensive team, so I think you know we're going to hear some words about that.
3: If Rocket and KJ are both end up both first team All SEC, and that won't happen because Jaden Daniels will be the quarterback. Should fans expect more this year? Um, I mean, if you're if you're if you're two 10. of your best players are first team All SEC, say it, Dom. Say ten wins. Does say that it equate? 10, just mean, say
4: ten wins. <laughs> I think fans should expect more than seven wins. I okay. mean, it's maybe eight but everyone knows what their schedule is. It's a there's a the middle part of that schedule is so brutal. But
3: you should win every game in the state. You're going to be a betting line favorite on every game played in the borders of Arkansas.
4: Yeah. So they got Mississippi State coming in and um, Auburn and Missouri. They
3: should win all three of those games. BYU would be the next you would discuss. I mean, you're 34 yeah. and a half ahead on the betting line with Western Carolina to open the year. I mean, <laughs> my point is right now, you you should expect to win all seven of those games. None of those three SEC teams or BYU are a team that you shouldn't expect to beat. Okay, I'm with you there. That's I'm with seven. There. So now how do you go steal one on the road or two on the road? Tommy's
2: trying to change your season predictions when you no, come out. Just say the-
3: that,
4: that's my thinking right now. I'm willing to listen to any input, and I understand your thinking. And, yes, they've got to win swing games. Think about last year's swing games, and they went like two and four or whatever in them. and this is the the year if they go four and two it can be a pretty special season but Arkansas is in a position where when would you ever say they're going to beat Alabama when they're going to beat Alabama and you know LSU and somebody in in a given
3: year so you can win the conference well Brian Kelly talked yesterday about when you bring this many players in from the portal on defense it's concerning and you don't know until you get out there well who else brought a lot of players in on the portal on defense? As he said that, I'm going, <laughs> that applies
4: to the team I cover because that is a lot of dudes. Hey, it worked out last year. I mean, Drew Sanders and Dwight McLaughlin, um, and uh, there they they were more. They were some good ads. And I, I think if they continue whatever it was that they did, and John Morgan and uh, Trajan Jeffcoat and Antonio Greer, uh, Jaheim Thomas, Jaheim Singletary, all these guys mm-hmm. can help them. Yeah. Uh, Snacks Johnson, and there's a ton of them. Walcott, um, the, the receivers. Then they have a
2: chance to be pretty good. Let's hope that uh, ends up being the case. Last thing I want to, Tom, I want to ask you about the gambling is something he approached and he didn't reference Brad Bohannon by name, but he that was all the that was the incident that we all knew he was talking about. When we, are we going to see another? big-time incident pop up within the SEC this next year? Because I don't think we're done with this thing.
4: Um, I don't know. I haven't given much thought to that. But I will say this. That that was a that was a good lesson. Because don't you know when schools had their compliance meetings with their kids, yeah. after that they're like, look, one, one incident like this can happen to you. And so, you know, don't do it. And I, I don't know. Sometimes the lure of making some bet that you really feel – or just was giving that, information, giving to in, a buddy, you know. Yeah. So, I, the giving information part is a, a, a philosophical principle that I don't know how you.
2: You know how many times I asked one of my classmates in school, "Hey, is this guy playing now? Man, he can't play." I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything. But you know how many times? You know how easy that was for me to do in class. I didn't bet on it, but I asked, and they told me. Super. It's easy. not that hard.
4: Yeah. So, how do you even? How do you prevent someone from telling someone else that guy hasn't been practicing all week?
3: I mean, y'all get the questions, too. Everybody assumes that we know and have the insight on the injuries and all that stuff, and we most often don't. But, you know, now you just assume everyone that asks you a really pointed question about personnel is wanting to know for, for wagering purposes, you know. Wow.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's the world we live in, unfortunately. Clay's Clay's told the story where he kept getting calls from someone in Oklahoma about an injury, and he finally figured out the guy was betting on it. He stopped giving him information. He thought he was just a fan, but the guy was making bets each week.
1: Unreal. Trying to figure
4: that out. Well, Well, I've never been really much of a betting guy. The only time I thought I was going to place a bet – I was going to pick the Falcons to lose to the Saints. And this has been years and years ago because the quarterback was hurt. And I think Billy Joe Tolliver was going to quarterback for us. And we blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown, and covered. And so I didn't bet it. I was going to put $1,000 on that game. And I didn't bet it. And if I had, I would have lost it. That's good you didn't Lesson bet Lesson learned. <laughs>
3: That's
2: good you didn't bet
3: it. Oh. All right. Well, Tom, uh, good to see you. Maybe we'll uh, find some time. Normally you're here with us on Thursday. So maybe we'll find some more time on Thursday yeah. to –